Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. So I want to begin tonight. Let's open our Bibles. Uh, I keep saying tonight, but it's this morning. I want to begin this morning uh, in Matthew chapter 7. I want to give a quick plug this morning before we look into the Word of God. Uh, we, together as a church, we have a Bible reading program, uh, a plan uh, that uh, I would highly encourage everyone to be a part of if you've not done so already. So we, uh, we have collectively chosen a Bible reading plan from the YouVersion Bible app, a free app that you can download on your, on your phone. And uh, if the, 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 the amazing thing about that is that we can all read the same Bible plan together and we can have uh, the Lord speaking to us in similar directions. And that also helps me as a preacher to be able to, uh, to, to read along with you and to preach some messages that I feel the Lord would speak to us. And such is an example of this sermon this morning which comes directly from the Bible reading plan, our entry that came from yesterday in Matthew chapter 7. Of course, this from the end of the most famous sermon ever preached. We know it as the Sermon on the Mount. And um, incredible truths. I mean, these truths that are preached in Matthew chapters 5 and 6 and 7, they're still radical today. That even 2,000 years after Jesus preached this sermon, they still have incredible impact on humanity, on our lives, on how we live, on decisions that we make. The truths, uh, the beatitudes that Jesus gave us, uh, things like uh, the, the model prayer that he gave us. He gave us an idea of how to pray. He helped us to understand so many things through this sermon. And what we're about to read this morning is the final word of the Sermon on the Mount. After he has just preached this miraculous, heaven-sent message that before or since never has a sermon been preached. And what are the, the final words of this message? That's what we're about to read in Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27. I want to read it with you this morning. Keep your eyes right there on the Scripture. Matthew 7, beginning with verse 24. Word of God says this, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand 
And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell. And great, everybody say great, was its fall. Say was its fall. Oh, I'm telling you, great was its fall. We're going to pray. Amanda, I've got a picture that I want to show, uh, if you could get that ready. Let's pray, believing God, this morning. Father, we come by the blood of Jesus. We're asking you to help us right now. We're asking you to open our hearts, God. God, we need far more than just information downloaded into our brain. God, I'm praying that this would be more than just education. I'm not here to only teach. But the Word of God exists, God, to make impact in our lives, to change us, and to prepare us and equip us for the work that is ahead. I'm praying, Lord, that we would do more than just learn something nice, that we would do more than just carry something out of this service that we can, uh, that we have greater information. But God, that your people would be more obedient to your word as we leave from the service today. And we thank you for this opportunity in Jesus' mighty name. And uh, this is a message I've titled, How to Survive the Big One. I want to show you a picture that I found. This came from, uh, from Hurricane Uh, I'm going to forget the name, hurricane from 2018. And this is some of the devastation that took place um, in 2018. This is is a place in Florida called Mexico Beach. And uh, the story goes, it's Hurricane Michael. And what you can see in this photograph is you can see amongst the devastation from Hurricane Michael, They say the winds gusted up to 170 miles per hour. And what you're seeing right there in the center of that photograph is you are seeing one house that stood while all the others were pummeled to the ground. The the news came and interviewed the owners of this home after this great devastation had taken place. They said that, uh, that the hurricane that had destroyed so many people's homes and businesses, the reason why their house stood was because it was built to survive the big one. The name of the owner of this home, Dr. LeBron Lackey, and also his uncle, built the vacation home known as Sand Palace, where the Category 4 hurricane made landfall with 170 mile per hour winds. The aerial photos that emerged after the hurricane show the home still standing while neighboring properties were reduced to rubble or completely swept away by the storm surge. Their home was virtually unscathed compared to their neighbors. Dr. LeBron Lackey and his uncle built the vacation home. They, uh, that's repeating, sorry. At every point, listen to their words as they're speaking to this interviewer. At every point, from pilings to the roof and everything in between, when it came time to make a decision about what level of material or what to use, we never paid attention to the city codes. They said, we went above and beyond city codes. We asked the question, will it survive the big one? 
And consistently, with every decision for materials and building, we tried to build a home that would survive the big one. This home, they say, was built to withstand winds of up to 250 miles per hour. Forty-foot pilings buried into the ground. Extra elevation under the foundation to allow for a storm surge. They added one-foot-thick concrete walls and steel cables to keep the roof attached. And they made this statement. Listen to these these men, these, these builders. They said, hurricanes happen. And so we intended to build it to survive. We weren't thinking about city codes. We were thinking, how can we survive? And uh, Lackey, who was at his home in Tennessee when the storm hit, said that he was nauseous watching the footage from a surveillance camera set up at the home as the hurricane came down the coast. It showed wind tearing the home uh, with nothing visible apart from the corner of the roof. The cameras stayed intact for the duration of the hurricane. I was watching the corner of the roof bucking like an airplane wing. I was watching air pass by with debris in it about the speed of which you'd expect to see in an airplane. Remarkable photos. Lackey, who said uh, he wasn't confident that the home would survive, but he was shocked to see the photos afterwards showing their property still standing. He estimated that the hurricane-proof additions, listen to this, cost him an extra 20 to 30% compared to other homes. Adding, it was totally worth it. What an incredible story. And what an incredible truth to illustrate what Jesus told us about his teachings. That when we build our lives according to his standards, not according to the standards or the codes that the world say, that we can also expect, listen, hurricanes happen. This is what Jesus is speaking about in our scripture. And I want to uh, get back to this scripture today, and I want you to just consider with me. Everyone who hears these words of mine. Jesus actually says this phrase two times in our scripture. Everyone who hears these sayings or these words of mine. Now, obviously, this has direct context. He is speaking to the people who have just sat there and listened to him preach this incredible sermon on the mount. So, yes, he's speaking to those people who have heard his sermon. But I believe this has much wider context as well. Those who hear these sayings of mine, those who have been taught, those who have heard the gospel message, that here we are 2,000 years later, can I tell you that these words still have power? Those who hear these words of mine, this would apply to you and I today. See, what we tend to do, church, is what we tend to depend on things that we've learned, on things that we've experienced, 
We tend to depend on uh, uh, the wisdom of the world, what the world says, what your college professor said, what experts in their field say. But I want to tell you the, the truth that really matters is what Jesus said, the things that he said. Now, in our scripture, what is so interesting to me, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, that phrase is directly repeated in verse 26. Do you see that? They, those who hear these sayings of mine, it is exactly repeated. But there's a difference between the two. The difference between verse 24 and the difference between verse 26 is very simple. In the first instance, we have people who hear the sayings and do them. And in the second, we have people who hear these sayings and do not do them. There is a truth right here that you can't miss. It is not enough to hear the words of Jesus. Yes, the words of Jesus must be heard. How are we supposed to know what to do if we don't hear them? Right? So there is a place in the, this is why the church exists. This is why that when you get saved, God doesn't beam you up, Scotty, into heaven. He leaves you here on the earth because this is our job as the church of Jesus Christ to bring the word of God into people who have not been exposed to it. Those who hear the words of Jesus. But the sad truth this morning is to think about how many people are in how many churches or watching how many church live streams even this morning in 2021 who are hearing something from the words of Jesus, who are hearing the sayings of the Son of God, and they will say yes and amen, Pastor. And they will even probably put an offering in the basket. And they will do many things. But I wonder how many will obey these sayings of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the, what makes the difference this morning. It is not the same hearing a message and doing the message. I lost the amens a minute ago. I'm not sure why. It is not the same to hear a message and to go out and obey the message of Jesus. There is evidence of this in our culture today. You know, um, it, it reminds me of, uh, of people who get married. And, you know, fewer and fewer people are getting married in our culture. The last 10, 15 years, the, 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 the rate of marriage is dropping drastically. So it's a reason to be highly concerned about our culture. But uh, maybe you've known somebody who wants to go get married and uh, someone who plans this extravagant marriage ceremony. Maybe, maybe you've seen someone who spends uh, tens of thousands of dollars uh, for catering and uh, for a venue. And uh, there's a guy at my work who's he's engaged and he's getting ready to get married. And he's telling me, man, I got this awesome venue down, in, uh, down there in North Carolina somewhere. And uh, he's, he's preparing for June. He's telling me, yeah, I got this caterer. I got some nice uh, barbecue, North Carolina style. And 
He's, he's, uh, you know, if, you, if you've gone through a marriage ceremony, you know there's invitations involved. There's, uh, there's uh, you know, you've got to register at a store so people can buy you gifts. There's a lot of things involved in planning a wedding, right? Well, in planning a wedding, you know, there's something also that should be pretty important. How about getting to know that person you're about to marry? How stupid would it be if you spend $20,000 on a wedding ceremony and then you're married for six months and you look over at that woman or that man and say, I hate you. And what that is, what that is, is a failure to recognize what's really important. And this is, this is what happens for many believers is we go to the church and we put on a big show and we uh, check the boxes like we were talking about last night in our Bible study. And people who come to church and, and, and put on all the Christian decorations, but when it's time to actually do something for God, when you walk out of church after a Sunday morning service and you show up to your job on Monday morning, you know, that's the real test of what you heard on Sunday morning. How will you live? Jesus recognizes this. He says, I've just given you the best sermon that has ever been heard by human ears. But it will mean nothing if you don't do it. If you don't do it. If you don't put it to action in your own life, there's a difference. Some people love to watch HGTV. Oh, pastor, I just saw it on HD, Home Improvement Show and uh, all the colors and the decorations. And, oh, I'm going to build this thing. And, and I've got all these ideas and, and this pattern and that and this carpet and that. And, but then you never do anything. And the house remains the same. It's one thing to know it. It's another thing to do it. I'm amazed at how many fat people who know how to diet well. Right? Oh, you're an expert at counting calories and exercise. Oh, yeah, uh, but, but you know, you're still 100 pounds overweight. Maybe I'm preaching myself this morning. I was just commenting the other day, I've lost the same 20 pounds about four times in a row. I'm getting pretty good at it. (laughs) But it's one thing to know it and another thing to do it. Acting on the words of Jesus means putting them into practice. What about you this morning? Is it more than just a concept? Is it more than just something you've been taught in a classroom Is it more than just a a, a bit of information existing on the hard drive of your brain? Or has it been put into action? I'm amazed at how many people come to me and explain things that have happened in their own home. The words of bitterness and wickedness that fly within within the confidence of someone's own home. People who call themselves Christians and the names that fly back and forth. The words, the accusations, the words that will never be able to be taken back. When you you speak to your children and call them names and pronounce curses on them, I'm amazed. In 
Christian homes. The very place where, where God, he, he commands us to show patience and kindness and self-control. The fruits of the Spirit. And yet, how many people, you're going to go home today, you're going to take the tie off, you're going to put the Bible on the shelf, and you're going to act just like your sinful neighbor who's never known Jesus. There's something wrong with that picture. Those who hear these sayings, but don't do them. James, the brother of Jesus, he supported the word of his brother in James 1.22. And he said, be doers of the word and not hearers only. James adds something very interesting in that scripture. When he says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So here's the picture. Jesus identifies two groups of people sitting in front of him after his masterful Sermon on the Mount. He said, there's people here who've heard my word and they're going to go and do it. Your life is going to stand. There's also a group of people you've heard my word. You heard just the same as the first, but you're not going to do it. And your life is not going to stand. But he makes an extra comment, James does, in this scripture. When you are a hearer of the word, but not a doer of the word, then you are involved in deception. Deception. But what's interesting to me is that the only person you're deceiving is yourself. How many know the, one of the easiest things in the world is to, to look at another person and make a judgment call? They're not reading their Bible. <laughs> it's easy to point out you know, the, uh, the, the, the splinter in your neighbor's eye, Jesus said. It's easy to find flaws and problems in other people's lives, but you know what's really difficult to do is to do the same thing for ourselves. Because James says, when we, are, when we are hearers and not doers, what we're doing is we are involved in deception of our own selves. See, God's not deceived. God sees clearly. He knows what's happening. But when you begin to enter into this arena of being a hearer without doing, the result is that you're saying to yourself, I'm ready for the big one. But you're going to end up like the rest. I'm ready for the big one. Are you? See, when we act upon the Word of God, Jesus says, you will be a wise or a sensible person. When we hear without doing... We are deceivers of self. What about you? I think still to this day is the biggest building in the world. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but the, a building, the tallest building in the world is called the Burj Khalifa. Is that still correct? I think it is. It's in Dubai. And it was officially opened on January 4th, 2010. This building is 2000. 716 feet tall. The tallest freestanding structure in the world. You know, that is more than half a mile tall. That's insane. It is virtually the same height as what used to be the Twin Towers in New York, 
but both of them stacked together. The foundation, it took approximately five years for them to build this building. But they spent one-fifth of that time, one year out of the five, working on the foundation only. The foundation of that building, if that is the tallest building in the world, then it also must have the greatest foundation if it's going to stand. 59,000 cubic yards of concrete. Uh, just to give you an idea what that is, everybody's seen our dumpster at the end of, of our parking lot out here. That's a small dumpster, right? They call that two cubic yards. That's two. Now, what you need to get to that same amount of concrete is you need, uh, need 59,000 of those. With 192 pilings, each one of the pilings four feet in diameter, driven down 164 feet into the earth. That foundation alone weighs 110,000 tons. One-fifth of the building project was on the foundation alone. How's your foundation this morning? How foolish it would be to spend four years building this beautiful building only to get up that high half a mile in the air and have it tip over and fall down. But this is exactly what many believers do. Spend years of their salvation trying to get prim and proper, trying to say all the right language, trying even to learn all the songs and clap on beat. Pastor, I almost got it. But the foundation, the love of God being released into your soul, the mercy of God released, the grace of God which produces righteousness, holiness, discipline, love, and self-control, the things that nobody will see at first. How's your foundation this morning? Because when the foundation is good, what is, whatever's on top will last. Those who hear the sayings of mine and do them, and when the big one hits, their life is going to stand. See, these builders, again, so powerful. They, there's a building code for that city. There's a, a, a code for the state that this is the, this is the recommended guidelines of how you should build. But they said, we didn't pay attention to that. We went above and beyond our materials. We went above and beyond. See, some people trying to skate by at the very minimum available. What can I do just to get to heaven, Pastor? Just, I just want to skate in by the skin of my teeth. I want to get as close to the line as I can without going to hell. That's not a good standard. Maybe what we should be doing is making decisions based on, is my life going to survive the big one? Because if we build our lives like these men built their house, and it doesn't matter what storm comes against you, 
Can, I, can, we, can we agree that storms are still coming? Uh, we thought 2020 was going to be the end of our storms. <laughs> wow! Hurricanes still happen. Will you stand? Will your faith survive? Let's talk about the second group for just a moment and we close. The sand. The person who hears the word of God but doesn't do it. The person who hears without action. The person who learns but doesn't obey. Oh, beloved. It's the couple who has an expensive wedding. Everything looks wonderful. Divorced six months later. Christians, believers, it's our job to discern for ourselves, am I building my life on the rock? Am I building my life? Am I obeying? Listen, I, I can't make this decision for you. Yes, I can inspect the fruit of your life. Jesus said, yes, you will know them by your fruits. You will know based on, and when the hurricane hits, this is what reveals it. See, all of those houses in that neighborhood, I'm sure the day before that happened, they all were looking nice, right? But how was it revealed? Which house was built stronger than the rest? When the hurricane force winds blew through, when the storm surge, when the waves begin to beat upon those houses, then it was revealed. Then it was revealed. I wonder how many people, even under the sound of my voice, yeah, we might be looking all right today. We might have some semblance of, of, uh, of you know, God moving in our lives. But the real test is when there's persecution. The real test is when the money runs out. The real test is when things don't go your way and the storm hits and the waters rise and right there it'll be revealed. What is your faith made of? It's not enough to hear the word. You must do. You must act. Both of these people that Jesus spoke about, both of them had built homes. Both of them had seen immediate successes. Both of them had similar goals and desires. And both of them faced storms. But the difference, the difference was the foundation. One built on sand and the other built on the rock. What are you building on this morning? What are you building on? In a time when many churches, I, I read a statistic some time ago that because of t the pandemic of the last year, continuing into this year, that many churches that closed their doors were forced to close their doors, that of those churches that closed their doors during 2020, that about one-fifth of them, 20%, they're never going to open back up. What is that about? I'll tell you what it's about it reveals that maybe those churches were building on the sand. It was form and function, but without the Spirit. It was the hearing of the Word without the doing of the Word. 
And maybe, just maybe, God is allowing a storm to pass through to clip some of the hedges, to trim some of the bushes. I'm not saying that those are evil people. I'm not saying that those churches were involved in wickedness. I'm saying that the Lord is coming back for a healthy, vibrant church. And how do we find health and vibrance in God? Through obedience. What is God asking you to do today? You know, you can take a sermon like this and apply it in a thousand different ways. Maybe it is that that you've been uh, failing to read the Word of God as you know God wants you to. Maybe it's time to start obeying. Maybe God is speaking to you about your prayer life. That, that you know, Christians ought to pray. <laughs> that, sh- that seems pretty straightforward. And yet, how many, how many people have no relationship with their Father in heaven? Because they don't pray. Maybe it's re- in regard to giving. Maybe you've been holding back from the Lord, the same Lord who never held anything back from you. Maybe it's about witnessing. Maybe God is calling you to exercise the gift of evangelism and speak up about Jesus. We spoke about that last night in our Bible study. Maybe God's calling you to a ministry. God's calling you to rise up and take a stand and say, Pastor, here am I. I want to do something. I want to lead. I want to make myself accountable for the church. Maybe God's calling you to go, the pioneer, to be a missionary. I don't know what God's calling you to do, but here's what I do know. Those who hear these sayings and do not do them, it'll be revealed in the storm. My call this morning is a call to obedience. Will you obey? When the storms hit, when the winds blow, when the water rises, will your life Stand the test of the big one. Let's bow our heads. And we're going to bring the service to a close. I'm so grateful for people here whose hearts are tuned to the Word of God. I'm praying that God's Spirit would even right now begin to bring conviction of the Holy Spirit. What this message is really about is obedience. When the prophet rebuked King Saul all the way back in that story, I won't take too much time to explain it, but very interesting statement that the prophet said that that God requires obedience more than sacrifice. God requires obedience more than sacrifice. But pastor, my sacrifice is real. And yes, sometimes when we give our time, we give our effort, we give our money, we we give all these and we sacrifice them for the Lord. But the problem is sacrifice is not the same as obedience. And I'm, I'm wondering about you this morning, about your life. When the big one hits, when you have a crisis of faith, When you have a money crisis or a marriage crisis or a morals crisis, will you stand? The answer to that question is found. Are you obedient? Are you doing what you already know 
is right. Before we close this service, I want to take an opportunity to speak to people whose hearts are not right with God. You be honest for just a moment. You've been running from God. In your sin, you're, you're afraid of God because you know, and so does He, that your sins are separating from you and will lead to His condemnation against you. God is angry at sin every day. Our sin and our disobedience against God is what will one day lead to your eternal judgment. That's bad news because we've all broken the laws of God. We've all done things that bring shame and condemnation and guilt into our soul. But I have good news today. The good news is that for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only begotten Son so that whoever would believe upon Him, Jesus, would not perish but have everlasting life. That is the good news of the Gospel. That God cares about sinners and that He did something about it. It was more than just information in the mind of God. No, but He put that plan into action. And He sent His Son Jesus, born of a virgin, living a perfect life, a dying a sinner's death, and raised from the dead as victorious over death and hell and the grave. And the Bible says this, if you'll believe in Jesus and confess Him with your mouth, that you will be saved. So that's what I'm calling. First of all, there's someone here that you need to believe with your heart that Jesus is the Son of God. And you're going to confess that from your mouth this morning and say, forgive me, I'm a sinner, I need salvation. And if you're willing to do that, to humble your pride and to bow before the King of kings and the Lord of lords, now's the time I call you this morning to a life of obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. If that's you, you want to be saved today, I want to pray with you. Can I see your hand? Someone here, not right with God or perhaps backslidden in your heart. You're away from God. You're living in disobedience. Now's the time to turn from sin and to trust in the Lord Jesus. Is that you? Anyone at all? Quickly, here this morning, maybe on our live stream, you're listening, you're watching, and you know that God is speaking to you. You need to reach out and say, please pray for me. Put it in the chat. Put it in our email. We want to reach out to you. We want to pray with you. Do that right now. It's not enough to hear these words. You must put them in action. Respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit right now. Changing this call then, I want to speak to the church. I want to speak to everyone here this morning. We're going to have an opportunity to come to this altar. This space between the first row and the pulpit, we call this the altar. And it is at this altar where we come to confess, Lord, I haven't been doing what I know is right. Lord, I want to be more obedient. I want to see more of the fruits of Your Spirit in my life. Lord, I recognize I've been deceiving myself because I'm a hearer but not a doer. And I want to put what I know, what I already know, what I've heard from the pulpit a thousand times, what I've read in Your Word a, a, a ten thousand times, Lord, I want to put it into action in my life. That's why this altar is here. So I want to, we're going to sing a song of worship together. And while we are singing, I want to ask you this, this morning to be honest. And look at your own life. Look at your own decisions. 
Look at the fruits of what happens in the secret place when no one else is watching. Because that's the true measure of your character. Is that person obedient to God? We're going to open up this altar for prayer. Can we stand together in this place? And if the Lord is speaking to you, convicting you, why don't you come? We're going to pray together at this altar. No shame, no fear. Right here at this altar, let's come and bow our hearts and bow our heads. Let's begin to cry out to the living God, the God who is able not only to cleanse, to heal, and forgive, but He is also here to empower, to equip, and to prepare you for a destiny, for a life that is ahead. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vvph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.